Welcome to the UX Joburg podcast. What you're about to listen to is part two of accessing the international job market with Tom Cotterell and Alex Martinez from a recent online UX Joburg meetup. This episode will focus on Tom Cotterell's part of the presentation. Tom is the co-founder of Fearless, a talent consultancy who works with companies to build and scale digital teams. Tom is passionate about working with companies to build design teams. He's worked with 100 plus clients across the globe, including teams in London, New York, and Bucharest. Enjoy. Perfect. Okay, so um, thank you for the introduction and uh, super amped to be here. Um, so I'm coming from the perspective of uh, like recruitment, working with companies, working with design leaders like Alex to scale design globally. So recently been doing a lot of work in um, Europe and the US, but starting to access talent pools in um, Africa, Asia, which is why I had a particular interest in talking to you guys about um, how to access the international market, because definitely since COVID, it's been like an accelerant of remote working <coughs> and people trying to get into companies overseas. Um, and there's been a few sticking points, but a few like things that I want to talk about is sort of how to set yourself up and start looking abroad, the importance of social media, in particular LinkedIn. Um, I'm a massive LinkedIn advocate. I think I, I personally don't think you need other um, social media platforms to find a job and network. I think Twitter's more definitely around more like personal and uh, Instagram, uh, but LinkedIn for the job for job hunt is, is, is perfect. What not to do as well, I think it'll be good to cover. So um, talking more about like, um, what job boards to uh, to avoid, not what to do when uh, recruiters approach you. And then the big one um, is how to charge clients. So this is a big thing at the moment um, with companies who are trying to hire people from say South Africa. Um, do they pay the same as what they would pay in San Francisco to a product designer in South Africa? Some people say they should because they're delivering the value of that client, but I ultimately don't see many companies paying San Francisco salaries to people who aren't in SF. Cool. So a few predictions and uh, learnings from my uh, time uh, on hiring and seeing how COVID is sort of accelerating these certain issues is there's definitely more senior opportunities right now than than juniors. Um, so I don't know how many, because I can't see the, the screen, I can't see how many people are, are juniors, but if you are and you do need help after this, please do, do let me know. And we will talk about how to find a job, even if you, there is no jobs out there for juniors at the moment. But I'm definitely seeing a lot more senior opportunities, not, not a lot of junior opportunities, and that's even more so in the US and the UK. Um, and I think a few of the reasons why is there's uh, larger talent pools so people can find senior designers at half the price of what they would pay in, say, the UK or the US and get 10 times the ROI in terms of deliverables. Um, and also a lot of companies are obviously changing the way they work. They're changing their product and service to keep up with how COVID has affected their business. So what happens is there's a lot more critical projects where they have to really change what they're doing. So hiring senior designers or lead or principal designers is a they see it as a safer bet. I've seen I've I've spoken to quite a few 
head of designs who have decided to withdraw from hiring junior folks and graduate programs, which is really sad. But I do think there are still a few good junior opportunities. And it's not that there aren't junior roles. You've just got to find them. And it's, it takes a lot longer. And you've got to put a lot more effort into doing that. Um, and I'm not sure what the junior market's like in South Africa. So if anyone can enlighten me there, I would really, really appreciate that. Okay, to start with, so Alex made a really good point about why do you want to leave or why do you want to move overseas? And say you've made that decision to do that and you have a blank canvas, you don't know where you want to go and work, um, you don't know the companies out there. Here's a, f a, few, a few points where I think you should particularly target your, your focus. Um, to start with, I think you should be applying for probably upwards of five roles a day um, if you are out of work. And if you are in work, I would say between five and 10 per week. Um, and that is quality applications. That's not going on LinkedIn and just um, hitting quick apply. Um, so I'd start researching all the companies you want to work with. Um, who are the, the founders, the head of designs, who's the head of talent. So that is people who are internal recruiters who work with um, design leaders and CEOs to figure out who they need to hire and go to market to find them. So I would look on, I would definitely look on LinkedIn, find these people, I would message those people, um, sorry, connect with those people with a tailored message. If they connect back with you, there's that buy-in signal that they want to chat with you unless they're just like LinkedIn connectors. Um, but that's a warm way of um, approaching them and figuring out if there's any opportunities in those companies um, and or just keeping them on the, in your pipeline as well. And that can be across many different countries, um, however, wherever you wanna um, apply to. I think if you're looking for remote work from, from say South Africa, I would target the UK uh, or Europe as a whole, um, maybe Asia, if you if you're okay with time zones, I think the US is quite can be quite tricky with time zones, especially in like San Francisco and or Pacific time. Um, email techers, so this is like uh, essentially you want to craft a beautiful written email to a founder to a head of design that really gathers their interest. I think everyone gets a lot of spam on LinkedIn. I find LinkedIn is becoming like a ridiculously spammy site. I must be getting two or three messages a day sometimes of just trying to sell me like crap. So basically I would really talk, I'd really craft a beautiful message why you're, why you're chatting with them, what do you want from the conversation and maybe what can you bring them um, that they can't get from your LinkedIn profile. Um, the next point is around how to, how to stand out from the crowd. Um, I wrote a piece of content around this recently and it got gathered some interest. Um, in particular, like a mini deck should could potentially replace uh, a CV. Um, so to start with, I think you need three, three bits of material that you can dish out to people if you're on like LinkedIn message or you're applying for a job. So portfolio is essentially what you've done, how you've done it, the kind of clients that you've worked with. So it's almost like your, it's, it's almost like your past. Um, 
under the constraints of budget, style guides, or, or whatever. Um, a mini deck, so for me, a mini deck is a piece of sales material, because ultimately, in the job hunt, you're selling yourself um, on what you can bring to a company. So that can be like personal projects that you've worked in the past, that can be your particular skills that you want to put into place a little bit more, where you want to upskill, um, and ultimately what you can bring certain companies. I wouldn't necessarily tailor it to every company, but I would have um, different types of decks. So if you're looking for a senior product designer role in the States, um, or you could also be good for a like more of a visual designer role, I would maybe tailor it slightly, depending on job titles. Everyone, everywhere is different. Um, and then a CV, like CV is really basic. Just keep it basic to the point, like, go through it just to go through hr purposes i don't think many people look at cvs you can even download it from your linkedin if you keep your linkedin up to date personally i i don't look at cvs um, i look at linkedin profiles because linkedin is a better way of looking at story and a narrative of of the person's um uh, career ask for help as well so reach out to reach out to designers in these in in these certain companies that you want to work for um join online communities online webinars like this one to um get in front of people that you want to that you want to speak to and uh, referrals as well is a big one so anyone that you've worked with previously that are in companies that always goes down well especially in the big companies um to get your foot in the door um i would also track everything so i don't know if anyone has heard of airtable um, but I absolutely love Airtable. It's like, it's like the most stunning database. I'm pretty geeky like that. Um, or Google Sheets to record everyone that you speak to, the dates that you've spoken to that person, um, what are the next steps? Did they tell you to get back in touch in two weeks? Um, you can also dig out all the companies that you want to work for, who are all the head of like talents, head of designs, the founder, have you messaged them? So you can really track everything on one database that gives you that visual guide of who you need to speak to when you need to follow up i think it's really important to not underestimate the, the importance of a follow-up two or three times um and then just digging into a little bit more about um about social media um personally i've always seen the importance of social media but i think now even more it's it's the lifeline now we can't meet people in person we need that sort of online brand or profile to really get our foot in the door. So I think LinkedIn is, it's almost like a, a sticky landing page. Are you visible to these people? Can they go to your LinkedIn profile and see who you are, what you've done, what you're about, the kind of companies that you've worked with, who you're maybe connected with, the type of content that you're creating. People want to see people who are inputting back into the community. Not everyone. People, some people just don't want to do that, which is absolutely fine. But you can, your brand is represented in a different way. Um, I think getting talking about brand, I think I just need to touch upon this. I think the notion of personal brand can sometimes be right. I've got to get as many followers as possible. Got to create as much content as possible. But ultimately, it's not that. I think it's just about being really good at your job, making sure that you're getting that around in a in, in a roundabout way to showcase your story. Um, it doesn't, don't have to have heaps of followers or create loads of content. 
um, story. So LinkedIn is, it should read like a story, I think in terms of like the career experience, in my opinion. So it could be like how you started in your career, how you've moved up to say mid designer, senior designer, your way into design leadership, and then where you are now and what you're currently looking for. Um, I also think LinkedIn is um, super powerful to get in front of people. Like there's not a couple, there's not many platforms where you can cut to the chase and get straight into in front of a CEO and a message. Um, if you're looking to move overseas, I would almost, or looking to get remote work, I'd almost forget external recruiters in many cases because their remit is to find uh, like the right, the, the perfect fit at the right time without the hassle of uh, like people being based elsewhere. So companies hire them purely for that basis and then they get paid if they feel that person. They're not necessarily going to invest that time to get you in front of a company if they don't think that you're going to fill them the role so they get paid their, their commission. Um, and other things about LinkedIn as well is I feel like it's a, it's a, if you've got it, if you're visible, you can really be open to be headhunted. A lot of companies use LinkedIn, just like recruiters, purely to headhunt people. Um, obviously, you can connect with peers like we're on here now, access more companies as well. Um, it's really easy to research companies, find out who the head of design is, who the, the, the chief design officer is, who's the founder, who's the head of talent. And just go after these people and make a note and go for it. And then my advice on like what, not what to do, or not don't do this. So I can't get my words out. It's been a, it's been a long, a long day. Um, so don't rely on job boards. Most of them are complete garbage. I think um, the only decent like two I would advise are um, are LinkedIn jobs. But even then, it's become so easy to do quick apply. HR have got, basically HR companies can just filter these people out so quickly. And maybe angel list for startups and indeed in certain cases. Um, so it's really hard to stand out in these roles because they make you apply in certain ways where you can't get your creativity out. Sometimes you can't even showcase your portfolio. So I'd really be, I'd be wary of that. Um, Relying on recruiters, just to go back to my point, um, I wouldn't use external recruiters in many cases, um, just purely because I, I doubt that they would invest a lot of time unless they're at, unless they are retained by a company or um, they are an internal talent person where they only invest their time into one company. Um, so maybe I'd ask I'd ask about that upfront. Or just see if they can help, see what they say. But you might not, you might not get replies from some people. Um, don't apply for more than one role at a company. Um, so I was on a project with Zalando, and there was a lot of people who would apply on the ATS system for multiple roles. But ultimately, it just it duplicates your name all over the shop, and it just doesn't look great. So I would apply for one role, um, apply for that role, and then maybe reach out to like a head of design or. I don't know, some peers to mention that you've applied, what the next steps kind of thing. Uh, don't spray and, uh, spray and pray. Um, if we actually think about it, there's not many roles out there that are perfect for us. Not many at all. So I would 
I would find companies who genuinely want to work with you and genuinely want to invest that time into hiring people like yourself. So I think that should qualify as an application, not just like a quick LinkedIn apply kind of thing. Obviously, don't be unprepared. Um, come with multiple materials that you can send out, maybe like a five minute video presentation on you or a longer portfolio piece or a couple of case studies ready just so you can send out different types of materials based on their interest if it's an initial conversation on linkedin send over um some like really quick material to look at and if they're interested they can then look at your portfolio which is a bit more a bit more depth and then just going on to the point that alex made about um rejections um don't get defeated with how many no's that you might get because it's 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 really difficult in the best of times and i think um, in COVID and looking overseas, it can be particularly hard. So um, I would almost count how many no's you can get because you are going to get a yes, for sure. Um, and I'll just a quick point on here about um, uh, people who are moving. If you are moving after five to 10 years in one company, um, a few really quick points that I just briefly put on before this because I wanted to make sure I mentioned this. Um, talk about how you've moved around internally in companies. So if you've been at a company for 10 years, compared to someone that's been at you know, three companies in that time, you're going for the same role, certain biases might sway towards this person who's done three companies because they've been in different kinds of environments, different projects. But sometimes if you've been in one company, you've moved around a lot internally, that inner mobility. So you can talk about that. So you could almost structure it on your LinkedIn and you've been in like almost different companies or CV. Um, find a career, a career coach might be handy. There's a couple of, if you are interested in a career coach, I can recommend a few people, but ultimately they'll be the ones that can essentially work for you, not for a company. So they can put you in touch with various different design leaders. They can help you with your story and your narrative. Um, they can help you create that visibility for your personal brand as such to get that out there into the market. Um, networking as well. So uh, if you haven't been looking for a job for 10 years, you will be shocked at how much recruitment has changed in that time. Recruitment now isn't right. Here's a CV. Here's a portfolio. I'm going to go and apply for this job. Like it's it's changed. It's it's all about who you know, not what you know. Um, it's, it's about how quickly can you get in front of someone that's in the hiring position. I, I think it's very rare that a hiring manager will will look at 100 CVs. It just doesn't happen in that time. Um, multiple approaches. So apply, apply directly, apply through um, referrals, um, build recruitment relationships. You never know, there might be one or two good recruiters that really do, do take that time if they do have time, but really dig in to apply for as many roles as you can that you think are relevant for your, for your, um, for your skill set. And uh, these are the, this is the, the last point that I want to make about how to charge companies. So there's still a lot of, a lot of companies out there who are trying to find people on the cheap. Um, so now everyone is remote. They will look for places like, um, you know, um, South Africa, A or Africa, Asia, places like that, where it's a little bit cheaper than it, cheaper to find talent than it is in, than it is in the States. Um, so I'd be wary of that. But what I would say is you've also got to take into account a few things. So um, if the company can hire people from overseas, 
do you will you be paying like US tax or will you be paying the tax where you are based? Like what are the laws there around that? And then do you do you realistically need as much as someone would get in in this in New York or or London? Then probably no. But where I've seen the where I've seen a real nice balance is people who get paid really, really well for where they're based. So for example, there's someone that I know who's based in Vietnam who is getting six figures US. Um, so he's obviously having an amazing life where he's based over there, but they're also getting someone that's slightly cheaper, but they're also paying him really well. So I think it works best for both companies, for both parties. Um, but I made a point recently about we need to almost be resp- be responsible for where we are based. So if we're getting US salaries, it's just going to drive and fuel the price at where we are for the locals who aren't in this like tech bubble. Um, so I'd be I'd be conscious of that. Like for example, Bali um, has like the prices have like rocketed because of all these digital nomads coming in. Um, but if you are going to go after the big salaries, which I think people should do is um, show value of everything from like KPIs, metrics, like your, what is your ROI? Why would you, why should they hire you on a big salary when they can hire someone in the States on that big salary as well? So I really focus on that, double down on metrics, numbers, um, and come back and like really defy expectations on the whole interview process. So um, talk about come back with them and like, this is the figure I want. I've done my research into the tax. This is how much I need to make to have a really comfortable life. This is what I would require from you, essentially. And any visas and stuff like that, do your research beforehand. It always looks always looks good. Um, and don't be afraid to haggle with companies. Like you've got to negotiate. People should be expecting candidates to push back. If Ultimately, if they don't push back, I almost like, I almost, um, get concerned with like, did people not know their worth? And so it's better to haggle and wait out for a week and get five to 10K more rather than joining and six months down the line, realizing that you're not getting paid as much and then you're unhappy and you have to go to HR and stuff like that. So um, yeah, any questions on that? I think it's, it's quite um, it's quite a complex topic that not many people have figured out yet. There's a lot of companies out there trying to do, trying to figure it out. So I think we'll see how that goes with, with COVID and if people do go fully remote. So, so yeah, any questions that, let me know. Any tips from me also, let me know. Really happy to, to hear. And then that is it. If you learned something from this episode and would like to hear more content like this in the future, please subscribe and consider leaving us a review so that other people can find our show. If you have any questions, go into the show notes where you can find a link to our Twitter or even to leave a voice note, which we may include in future episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.